Welcome to Spoilers Intended, a podcast about series, novels, and films. For this episode, the show may be a jewel, but don't let the company fool, or your expectation of League may fuel a descent most cruel into addictive and toxic rule. That's right, we're talking arcane. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. I'm Stephen Ford, joined as always by Andrew Knuckles. Hello there. And Joel Killingsworth. Hello. You know, in retrospect, we could just do that once and just put it in. <laughs> just I copy the it magic every I know, I know but like as it, as it goes on, Andrew's is morphing into mine and I don't like it <laughs> because he comes first and it sounds like I'm better at changing. You have to this. keep, you have to perpetually keep running away, pushing Hello? the envelope. Hello? 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm, I'm going to try and change it every episode just to like make it just, and then you just give me the look every time and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I like how I, I deliberately avoided looking at Joel and looking at Andrew, looking at Joel. I was like, I know what expression Joel is making based on how Andrew is currently. I can't look at either of you. This, this is this is what happened when happens when you've one podcasted for with each other for a long time and then also have known each other for a long time. Yes. Yeah. The true descent into madness. Yeah. But before we begin a true descent into madness, that is arcane. We're going to talk a little. We haven't done this in a little while, so we thought it was about time we we circle back to it and. Throw out a little bit of watch list. Maybe talk a little bit about uh, what we're all kind of watching right now that isn't necessarily related to research for the show because, oh my goodness, it has taken over my media consumption. I mean, you, you already didn't really watch a lot of stuff. Anyways. It has taken over my media consumption. <laughs> 100%. 110%. I am beyond my normal capacity. Anyways, so I'm going to toss this over to Andrew. Okay, cool. Uh, I basically watched the most stuff out of all of us. True. So I've, I've been during my work day, I have been rewatching all the seasons of 24. If you're unfamiliar, it's basically a, a Jack spy, Bauer. Jack Bauer, spy yeah, thriller yelling, right. damn it for basically nine seasons. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, it, it's kind of one of those shows where, you know, it's got a special place in my heart. It's not the best show, but it's, it still has its fun moments and, and everything like that. So, that's been fun. I'm on season four, I think, right now, and still fun. Then uh, my wife and I, we've been watching The Expanse season six, which has just been phenomenal, despite being a relatively shorter season than what they're normally used to doing, which is like 10, 10-ish episodes. Mm-hmm. And this is only, unfortunately, six episodes. So by the time you hear this, if you listen to it on day one, it will just be two more days until the final episode is out, which is sad because the expanse is just, you know, it's my, my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Joel. Well, I also have been consumed with, with watching things for the show. Yes. And uh, so uh, my wife and I have recently finished up wheel of time, which we're going to be reviewing on the show. And we, are now trying to catch up with the expanse. We hadn't finished the the final episodes of season five. So we're we've got one episode okay. left there and then we'll be starting to watch the new stuff after that. So Andrew, it's it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. This is definitely the expanse is just such a good adaptation of the books. Mm-hmm. 
and they they add so much more in there where you get a lot more for other characters like Kamina Drummer, mm-hmm. which is she's such a small character in the books. She is, but she she also like they they she's, kind of combined like, uh, a couple three, different three characters ish. Yeah. So drummer Drummer yeah. is is not much talked about, but she's also kind of a linchpin mm-hmm. where where what she does has big ramifications. So expanding yeah. the role makes sense. Yeah, and just yeah, it's the. Honestly, the I mean, all the seasons have been really good, but these past two seasons have just been so much fun. Mm-hmm. And they, they really kind of, I think they finally figured out the formula. Unfortunately, it's going to end, hypothetically. You know, there's still technically three other books that they could adapt into from something, that hopefully, maybe another series or another mov- mm-hmm. movie series or something. Yeah. But, you know, hopefully something happens for it. But if not, I'm still very satisfied with how it's going. Joel, anything beyond the expanse? Not at the moment. There's I my my to read list is not getting smaller, it's getting larger. Yes. And uh, so trying to get back on top of that is is uh, difficult. Okay. Well, so I have started to reread the Master and Commander series because oh. I really just have so much time in my life to <laughs> stuff 21 or 22 extra books into my media consumption schedule, let me tell you. Uh, but beyond that, because as Andrew has alluded to, I don't watch a whole lot outside of it. Uh, something that's way off base maybe for this discussion, but, uh, a YouTube channel that I've recently fallen into, it's called half as interesting. And if you ever want an insight as to why Steven knows lots of really random things, this is a whole series of maybe four to seven minute videos where he just picks some really off base topic. So mm-hmm. one of them was talking about the tallest tower in London that is that was technically a classified secret. So you could not technically list its address despite it being the tallest building in the city of London. <laughs> but it was secret. Don't look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look up. Right. Or or stuff like you was know, it the, like a, like an SAS? No, it's it's a, it was or... a microwave uh, receiver transmitter. So it was part of uh, Britain's solution to the potential of nuclear war during the cold war so they had cable lines established throughout the country to run news and if a nuke hit you know somewhere else and it cut that line that's it there's no transmission so Mm -hmm. the microwave transmitters were supposed to be a solution as like a another throughput but also a backup yeah so technically what it did was classified despite it having a rotating restaurant at the top like this is a big building (laughs) We're meeting don't at, look at it. we're meeting at the secret building. Yeah, don't yeah. talk. About it. Don't yeah. talk about it. Uh, and stuff like that. And he goes. And, I mean, it's just all kinds of wild stuff. You know, the the smallest international border, and you know what that constitutes. How do you define it? And he goes down into all these to where you get down to like a, Monte Carlo. No, actually. So, well, he gets into the. Do you talk like the the circumference? He's like, with, it's really not interesting to talk about the largest international border because it's U.S. Canada. Cool, we're done. All right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> but. Do you go into like the actual border all the way around the country or is it one? So he gets all the way technically all the way down into it to where it is a Spanish holding in Morocco. Okay. That's just a small spit of land that they have a fort on uh, that they refuse to cede to Morocco because they have other holdings within Morocco left over from colonial periods. And if they cede one, they feel like they may they have to cede everything. Cede everything. So it's like a 200 foot wide border. A tiny spit of land. They just have some soldiers on. They have to resupply by helicopter, and they just hold onto it out of spite. <laughs> so it's it's just really fascinating tidbits like that. So so that um, there's two things. Uh, one that that last bit reminds me of Sealand. If you're familiar with the 
the World War II era concrete structure, which is technically a fort Mm -hmm. that a guy basically took over in the 1960s as a pirate radio station. And then he kind of actually turned it into his own country with diplomatic things. And uh, it's been taken over a couple times by other pirates. And then he's taken it back. Now his son controls it. It's it's such a weird thing. They have their own currency. They have their own passport. Like, yeah, there there are so many little things like that out in the world that you just you wouldn't really run. Yeah. You know, there's no way that a, a school classroom uh, setting would ever have a chance to cover even the tiniest bit of it. You have to go look for it yourself. Yeah, but it's out there. Well, and and so like the reason I I, I learned about that was, and this is just a, another plug for a, a very large part podcast called 99% Invisible. Mm-hmm. They kind of do the same thing that Steven's channel kind of does where not, they... It's not my channel. Not, not your channel, but the channel that you have been watching. I would love for it to be my channel. It's a really cool <laughs> channel, but anyway. But they, they pick like really like weird things mm-hmm. and they, they just kind of break them down. Yeah. So like one of the episodes they did everything about sand, which, you know, you it's don't think coarse, sand is... Rough, it, it, it gets, gets everywhere. everywhere, yeah. There's the Star Wars reference for the episode. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> Get in early. But uh, like basically the whole episode kind of divulged into we're actually running out of sand and mm-hmm. because we're building so much concrete. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it was just a really interesting breakdown of like how much sand we're actually using. And it's actually not a renewable resource at this point because mm-hmm. of how much we're consuming. Yeah. This sounds, sounds like a problem that you can figure out the solution to in Minecraft. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. There's another on the same half as interesting channel uh, where they talked about, you know, the idea that the bananas we eat today aren't the same as the bananas that everyone ate in the 60s. Okay. I don't know if you actually knew that or no, not. No, I, I mean, so, I don't eat bananas. So, so the, the, the bananas we eat currently are a, basically a clone. It's basically just a, a cutting of a cutting of a cutting of a cutting of a cutting. Yeah. And every... Like 99% of the banana plantations in the world grow this type of banana. I can't remember what it was. And it's the reason is because it was resistant to a fungus, which killed all of the other banana, which had been the most popular banana. It's well, weird how that works. Well, now there is a new fungus that has emerged. That That's killing all the this. bananas. So at some point, they're going to swap to a different type of banana. And he went so far down the rabbit hole that he actually found one of the few plantations that still grow the older, the I think it's Cavendish banana. Cavendish might be the current, the Monte Carlo or something like that was the old one. He got, he found a plantation that still grows that and like bought a box of bananas for like $150 to get it shipped to him yeah. to try them. He's like, they are sweeter. They totally did not ruin my stomach, let me assure you, but they are sweeter. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Enough of that. Enough of this silliness. On to the actual show. I, know, I, I think that's pretty interesting. No, I, I actually like it. It's half as interesting. Half. <laughs> <laughs> that's called, that's good marketing. And that's, and that's on YouTube? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Joel's making notes. I've made an impression. No, just kidding. Anyway. He's just picking them up so he can make his bad description of Arcane. Yes, that's right. So we are into Arcane and it is that time of the show. For Joel to rack his brain and render us a synopsis of Arcane. Okay, so this is this is something that is done off the cuff, and we have agreed that I'm doing it, but I always forget that I'm doing it, and so I haven't prepared. <laughs> his face is always the best whenever it comes up. It's like, oh, I have to do this. Okay. So Arcane is a show about it's it's about the political machinations between two cities that are actually one city across 
uh, a river that the the very opening scene is you see the result of the last revolt mm-hmm. of one side that's kind of being oppressed, oppressed repressed, suppressed. It's not like direct military nope, oppression nope, in most oppressed. cases, but they are definitely a lower class environment. Yeah. Mm-hmm without being given the opportunity to better their 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 situation, situation right. their, their life. And so you have kind of a underworld gangster sort of uh, uh, almost resistance right. sort of feeling to the characters in the situation in what they call the the undercity and then in the 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 rich part of town you have an aspiring scientist who's attempting to to crack open the secrets of how do you access magic through science right and so we kind of have these two worlds colliding and you know the different machinations that are happening in in both locales and how they they interweave and overlap and it's really kind of a small scale story mm-hmm. focusing in on just a handful of characters that has uh, impacts not only on their lives with dramatic things happening across several years time and uh, ultimately dramatic effects on the the world at large right it's it's a very intimate story at the end at the end of the day yeah. it really is i i like when you're talking about the two cities like oh yeah it's it's like sister cities well, and they talk about sisters well there's a, there's a, there's a lot of duality yes in in just every theme from like top to bottom mm-hmm. for yes. our kids. all over the place so uh joel you want to give our composite score so we absolutely loved this and gave it a 9.5. So that is the highest rating to date yep. on the show. Even, even higher than Spider-Verse. Just, 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 just pipped it. Bit. Just pipped it. So yeah. it was an absolutely phenomenal execution on a, a well-written story mm-hmm. uh, taken to extreme heights by a production company that has, is known for its games but is apparently a lot better at making shows and music. <laughs> well, we, no, well, hold on, hold on. League is actually a very fun game, assuming that you have a lot of knowledge of how to play it and how not to interact with the other players <laughs> that you're playing okay, with. No, League, League is uh, objectively a very successful enterprise. Oh yeah. So oh, like, yeah. so like, like there's there's not really room to ding riot games on that product it's just a super directly. toxic community well that was always kind of the joke right because it was riot games but for the longest time they had one game yeah they have they have branched out re- very recently yeah because really. they, they have like wild rift and some other TFT, tactics game. Uh, uh, the tft team fight tactics and then valorant is also yeah mm-hmm. so they, they have branched out and in the process they decided to also make an anime or animated show animated I really show. show i should really say we wanted them to make an anime for a long time they have phenomenal hype videos and yeah. cinematic pieces uh all over youtube for for like their their world's tournament that they have that happens every year or just uh new character champion mm. videos and mm. all this other like kind to, of stuff to kick off a new season they always have a yeah. new video and these are these are things that i really enjoy consuming not being a player and not really being familiar with any of the characters it's just that the quality of the hype that they produce is so high Mm-hmm. So the fun thing about League is, so my, my wife and I, we used to play and then we just kind of got out of it because it was not a very fun environment to play in. Mm-hmm. But we still watch Worlds every year. Mm-hmm. We, we still enjoy all the media that they come out with as far as like music videos and, you know, and it's just, it's just always a good time. They, they have a very, just like very good baseline of quality that they just kind of always deliver. And, mm-hmm. But this was just so far and above 
anything that I would have ever expected out of a show that they would make. Yeah. Yeah. To, to echo into some of the commentary on the show versus the game, there is a proposed change within the game where they are just default turning off all chat. So you can't talk to the other players on the, mm-hmm. team, to the, on the enemy team. And the meme has been, but that's not where the toxicity is. The toxicity is your own team. You need to just turn <laughs> off every chat. Every chat. So you can't, you, you can only ping. Yeah. And even that's kind of, can be used. It's the kind of the rocket league thing. Oh, what a save. What a save. What a yeah. save. You can do the same thing, but yeah, it's, it's quite a, a shift because there are over the years. I mean, the league has existed for quite some time now. Uh, there's been a ton of lore written up around all of these characters. So seeing it, put out there even even if it is ultimately talking about you know sister cities a very tiny slice of uh, i believe runeterra yeah of what is out there in the actual like runeterra world or whatever is a tiny slice of it uh but you they have an amazing space that they work within and i use the word intimate not very long ago but they tell a really emotional, impactful, again, intimate story yeah. within that confines. And and while they are exploring concepts that ultimately have an effect on the larger world, they're really centered on the character stories and mm-hmm. the relationships between the characters. It's really, really fantastic. Yeah. And and definitely one of the things that kind of go along with this show, because you see that it's animated, and if you're not into watching animated shows, like, you know, you'd only watch live action or whatever. This is not the normal type of animated show that you're used to watching. This is, it's very it, adult themes, mm-hmm. but not in adult themes of like where it's raunchy or it's hyper violent and graphic. It's, it's got a little bit, a well, little bit. Well, but the violent, like when it's, I, when I say like it's hyper fairly, violent, it's fairly it's, sanitized. Yeah. It, there's not, there's not a lot of gore or, or anything like that. It's, going to be relatively PG for what you're watching. Yeah. It, it is definitively not a Saturday morning cartoon. Yes. It is definitely a, a different time slot that's more mature that I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the old classic Toonami uh, stuff. 10, 10 p.m. beyond. It, yeah, there we go. It really feels a lot like, I don't know, almost a, a Charles Dickens sort of story like a story you would expect out of yeah. a victorian author who is prone to and it has a lot of victorian tragedy. Style themes yeah well, well you have the the shining beacon of progress and you have kind of the cost of progress which mm-hmm. has been the the, the under people within the slums who've been left behind and in a lot of ways the the people within their ivory towers have forgotten them mm-hmm. right i mean they are so focused on the progress that they're forgetting the people who the progress was probably for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, uh, it's very much a have and have nots. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's even just outside of saying, Oh, well there's just kind of this broad theme. It really, really is the people. It is the, the, you have two sisters. It is, you know, uh, as Joel mentioned, a aspiring scientist and kind of an adopted brother. Like those, I think those are really the core interactions mm-hmm. because those Moments within the show are just chef's kiss. Yeah. Just, oh, so good. Yeah. So I think we have pretty well covered anything we can say without jumping into spoilers. So on that note, we are now heading into the intermission. If you don't want to get jinxed by spoilers, this is your stop. If you liked what you heard, we'd appreciate your support at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. And now on with the show.
All right, welcome back, everyone. We are now past the intermission and deep into spoilers. Beware, dragons <laughs> be here. So we are going to jump straight into our first of four categories, and the first piece that goes into our scoring is spectacle. Uh, Andrew, you want to give us a definition of spectacle? What what are we looking for here? So spectacle is the the energy, the uh, the graphics, the action, everything that elicits emotion that isn't the score or the plot or the characters. Everything is supposed to elicit emotion, but it's, it's yeah, this yeah, is the spectacle it, this part. Is, this is just how you <laughs> feel the hype of yeah. the show. Yeah, there we go. And, oh man, was it hype. Like, so, go ahead, give, give us a score. I gave it a 10. Ooh, all right, we are off to a, fl- I mean, <laughs> it's a 9.5. All of these scores we're discussing all go into that, so spoilers it's gonna be a lot of big numbers <laughs> it's gonna be a lot like i promise you i tried to find things that i did not enjoy about this mm-hmm. especially when it comes to spectacle i love animation i love seeing different art designs and character designs and everything like that and i just couldn't find anything mm-hmm. it was just perfect like it was oh it was so good and they they had a good feel of I kind of the not quite the Spider Verse feel because Spider Verse was its own level of animation. It, yeah, it's a whole different style, obviously, but it, it has a whole different league of animation. Ooh, league. Uh, <laughs> but, but they did kind of pull some of what I felt like were the tricks of where it was definitely CGI. Yeah, but they they went in and put in the lines on the faces and mm-hmm. stuff, which really helped sell. I mean, every emotion. every frame looks like an oil painting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the the thing too is they actually. Um, Fused in a lot of 2D animation techniques, in particular with a lot of the the smoke effects. Oh yeah, and some of the the additional effects whenever Jinx was having her episodes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there would be flashes of, of everything. Yeah. And a lot of that came down to very very 2D style animation. Um, uh, not differences. I, I um. I can't help you. Right, yeah, sorry, I lost it. But <laughs> uh, the company that that did all the production for this, uh, um, Fortiche, it's a French company that that does, and they they've worked with Riot Games in the past to do a lot of their cinematics. Mm-hmm. And, and and all of their cinematics are are, are fantastic. Are, are alluded to. They're all really good. They're already well on their way here for but this. This was just so far and above what we're used to seeing. From mm-hmm. them, now they've spent six years developing this show, right? And clearly, they, you know, whenever, whenever I heard that they were coming out with a new, like, you know, our, like a League of Legends show, I was like, well, okay, cool. That's that they're finally doing it. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. And I, I had no expectations beyond like, oh, I'll watch it. I'll see some of my favorite champions just do some things, and I'll enjoy it. Mm-hmm. This was just, like, I mean, like, if you have not played League, if you're not familiar with League. You will still enjoy this. Yeah, it, show. Does, it is totally your your knowledge level is irrelevant because the three of us cover kind of the gamut of knowledge within the game. Yeah, like you have way more knowledge than I do. I still, you know, I still have a pretty decent understanding of a lot of the champions. I, I played mm. competitively for a while, and then Joel has none. Well, I mean, I basically have only seen the hype videos that they yeah, put out yeah. on YouTube, right? Like, and and those are really enjoyable to watch, even without having played the game really at all. Yeah, yeah. the. Uh, the one of the biggest things that I, I love whenever I talk about spectacle is the the action sequences that you get and the 
the a couple of the brawls that Vi gets in mm-hmm. throughout the show are just so well choreographed. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels like I'm watching a Creed film mm-hmm. if you're if you're familiar with the with the boxing films, and it just has such a frenetic and snappy feel whenever she's fighting and like everything that she's doing makes sense. Like mm-hmm. in a physical form, it's not like, mm-hmm. Oh, she's a cartoon or she's in this weird universe. Like everything she's doing is very well based in what it would be if you were fighting like that. Yeah. And all, all the perspectives within the fight, you, you can keep track of who is who and where mm-hmm. and what motion they are in, yep. which is pretty important and, and maybe sometimes kind of an underrated thing. Yeah. Well, and you just don't get that kind of clarity in action scenes and uh, just in just in general with with how, you know, shows are made very often just because like I think a lot of production companies kind of forget that they are they know everything. Mm-hmm. So like they look at it from the perspective of, "Oh, I know this person's here. That's fine." But does the audience know that that person's mm-hmm. there? Yeah. Well, especially in a, like a rendering of 3D space, you, you know that I moved the camera and this this object is now out of the camera. Yep. But if the audience never got to see that object, they have no idea. I mean, it, Andrew, it's not exactly the same thing, but when you are cutting on your artboard, mm-hmm. there there might be 600,000 objects on that artboard and you're only cutting one thing. Oh, yeah. And nobody else has to know that. Nobody else will know that, but you know it. It's, it's always it's always fun whenever I send send you guys like screenshots of my artboard and like and you see stuff like everywhere. this little white block that has one thing in it and then like <laughs> everything on the gray around the artboard is just, like there's just, just so much stuff. So many mm-hmm. lines, yeah. yeah. Anyways, okay, so I've talked about how much I love the spectacle of this show. Other people need to talk about how much they love the spectacle of this show. Okay. Well, I init- utilized my immense willpower and self-restraint and also gave it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I was blown away by the quality of the, not only the art, you know, every, every still a painting, yeah, but you also just, like, just take a picture. Yeah, of it. yeah. But also the, the motion, like I'm, I really, really love when in animation you, you get to see organic movement, mm-hmm. right. That really mimics the way that people move. Like it's not like hyper stylized and this, this is a stylized art form, mm-hmm. but at the same time it really captures the essence of how the characters emote and like their, the way that their heads move, their, their facial tics, all of that kind of stuff really supports uh and bears out the emotions of the scene really really love that the the fight scenes i wanted to tack on to the not only are they choreographed really well but the choices of uh camera position for back, lack of a better term mm-hmm. <clears throat> is really really puts you right inside the action at at all times mm-hmm. and you know you have the you have the opportunity with with animation to give the audience a perspective that you just don't get with a real camera because you physically can't put it there. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of those kind of shots that really set up not only to make it an interesting shot visually, but really set up the emotion of the scene as well. One one of my favorite scenes was, I think the, the second time or maybe the, maybe it's the first time that Vi and Savika fight mm-hmm. in the bar and, she kind of like slams Savika onto the onto the wall and then picks her up and body slams her down on the ground and the camera follows the entire motion mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of going down on the that's ground. The, that's the second fight. The first fight's in an alley, isn't it? Or am I misremembering? No. The, first, the first fight is like she finds her 
It, she's playing it goes, cards. Yeah, she she was at a not the the main bar. Not, but not she, was at a, yeah, she, yeah, she was at she was at a different bar, and then area. like they fought in there a little while, and then they ended the fight out in the alley. That, yeah, that, and, that's and, where I'm and Vi was going to get um, more than likely killed, and then Caitlin saved her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so, you're both looking at me, so I am also going to profess <laughs> to be a man of deep and resoundingly strong will, and I also gave it a ten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, animation's gorgeous. We've already been there. Uh, Relatively speaking, what is actually happening within the show is not super high. There's no world ending threat, right? No. But they took their time to really focus on faces, emotions. Uh, You know, in previous episodes, I'm I'm reaching back to to a certain episode about a show that used to be an anime and now it's live action and (laughs) then it wasn't live action anymore. Uh, They heard a lot of just middle shots. Mm -hmm. And it's live action. You know, there are limitations. Joel just talked about it. But man, they, they really know when to jump into a scene. And also I'm going to flip off Joel's point here. Also when to jump out of it, mm-hmm. because in the second fight, actually at the last drop yeah. for Vi and Savika, you know, you have a lot of really close in good fighting, you know, boxing stuff going on because it's basically just two brawlers going at it. And then they took a moment to just take the camera and put it outside on the sidewalk yep. across the street. And all you really see, and there's a little, you know, a little wind or something going on. But all you really see are just flashes of essentially their two impacts through the windows. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I thought that was actually really impressive because one of the things that we did complain about for something like, say, a live action Cowboy Bebop was the fights always felt slow because they didn't, they didn't commit to jump cuts, which, you know, that's, that's fine. But they also never took an opportunity like that to pull away from it and tell us what's happening without actually having to show us. Mm-hmm. And give us the scale of, mm-hmm. of kind of what is, you know, what they're doing. Yeah. So I, that, that particular scene, when that happened, that really, really struck me because it, it happens. You see it happen in shows and movies and stuff where they will do something like that. And sometimes it's just done for comedic effect, right? You pull out and there's just the two people out on the side <laughs> yeah. and they're, they're putting bets down on the fight or, you know, whatever. <laughs> but in that, because it was just a very quiet moment to pull out of this really brutal close in. Yeah just a lot of hate and anger, mm-hmm. but then they, they, they pull back and you get kind of a breather, but it's not really a breather because the action hasn't stopped. You're just not tucked right into it. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, really impressive. And I, it felt very, I, I, it's a weird thing to say, it felt very mature, like a very mature approach to handling mm-hmm. everything. Cause you, know, you can just, if you were always just blasting along at a 10, a 10, a 10, which you know, get used to it. That's what we're doing right now. <laughs> it, it, it's a little desensitizing, Right. right? When every power that hits you is a world-shattering power, what does the next power matter? Because it's just, it's the same scale. Yeah. But when you pull back like that and you kind of shrink the scale down and you get the full quote-unquote perspective, it's just a bar fight between two people. Mm-hmm. It, it has its own type of impact, right? But like to, to point back to, you talked about stakes, right? Stakes not necessarily being the highest, mm-hmm. but really focusing on relationships. There, there are two ways in which you can make stakes do their job, right? Which is to engage the audience and make them care about the outcome of the the struggle right. that's happening, the, the the dramatic elements that are going on. And one of them is you can make the stakes high, right? Like they affect more people, like they have ending. a more dramatic mm-hmm. outcome, you know that or you can make the stakes more personal. Right. And that's what this show did mm-hmm. in space, that all the stakes are deeply personal to all of the characters involved. And like their their life and their hopes and their dreams are all wrapped up in this struggle that they're involved in. Yeah, and that I, that's kind of I guess where I was going with it. We're not we're kind of pulled away from Marvel level stakes. Mm-hmm. We're not dropping a, a rock on the planet to destroy yeah. all life. We're we're really looking at 
the relationship of kind of a broken family of you know two sisters and the trials and tribulations of and, the two and, of them. And, and ultimately, they're they're surrogate fathers who were sort of two brothers. So like it was kind of mm-hmm. kind of the history repeats itself. Yeah, it was uh, generationally. It was, it was such a really neat kind of tiered flow yeah. of that kind of thing. Yeah. There's so much, I mean, we'll get more into this with plot and, and other subjects and stuff, but the duality theme that they have for basically every single plot beat, visual, everything just kind of just cascades down from this. You have Piltover, you have the Undercity or slash Zon. Yeah. And, and then everything just keeps going down and it still has a, a you have a counterpart to every single thing that that shows up in the show so you have the two scientists you have jason you have victor mm-hmm. which are have are both brilliant minds that consider each other brothers but then they have two very different essentially goals towards the end of the show mm-hmm. because you know victor he's trying to just save his life and you know jace is trying to do his best with the responsibility that he's kind of created himself mm-hmm. yeah and you kind of see the 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 outrunning of power where he yeah. keeps ending up with more power that he didn't necessarily want and it's kind of diverting him from his initial goal. Yeah. But even your your scientist thing, I mean you have Heimerdinger as well, right? Mm-hmm. And he's kind of operating on a different scale. Yeah. Because his species have such long lives that for him, oh we'll take a couple of decades and really perfect that. <laughs> mm-hmm. For Victor, Victor has does not have that time. He's got, mm-hmm. you know, weeks, months, months tops. maybe. Yeah. So the the kind of again it's it's more duality of the scientists yep. of their two perspectives on what must be done for progress. Yeah. So yeah, it was it just all up and down, all around. We can go on and on about that kind so, of stuff. So stray observation. Um, whenever whenever I'm watching shows with Holly, and especially if it's a show that has like a lot of really really good quality animation. Mm-hmm. Whenever we first started watching the first episode of of Arcane. And, you know, they're kind of like jumping around on the roofs and everything. I was like, oh, this looks really good. I'm, you know, this is pretty cool. And then whenever they get into Jace's apartment laboratory His thing. Study mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And Powder picks up the the unrefined arcane pebble or, yeah. you know, whatever. And she looks at it and it has like the close-up shot of like all the reflections and stuff. I was like, oh, this is one of those shows where like every single frame is going to be beautiful. Yeah. Well, Got it. They're, they're <laughs> going to be like, we can show off here. Yeah. And we can show off there. And if you weren't looking that way, you should have been because we were showing off over so, there too. <laughs> um, that kind of also when Mel was uh, one of the opening scenes and I think one of the episodes where she's like doing a painting. Yes. The, you did not have to have her do any painting at all and it would still be fine. But they're just like, well, why don't we just kind of flex here? And we're, we're going to have her like, you know, going over the canvas with these like acrylic and oil paints and like you can see the texture and mm-hmm. the paints. Like, why did you do this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> they, well, they also had, they had a lot of really good moments of dark and light, mm-hmm. uh, especially early on when, when Jace is brought before the council and, you know, they like close the, the yeah, big the, door. Like you have the feeling of, oh, your life, his life is being closed off. He's yep. being buried. And then you have the individual pools of light. Uh, they, they did a lot of play with that. There are a lot of really high contrast scenes where, Maybe half of a face is in light, half isn't. Mm-hmm. It just it it's a very impressive understanding of using, composition. Yeah, just using a camera in a in a three D space. Mm-hmm. It's literally a space that does not exist in real life. Yeah. So yeah, just high I'm obviously ten, ten, ten high marks <laughs> yeah. all around. Moving forward into a category where we can ding them some. I'm just kidding. It's performance. <laughs> <laughs> so for performance, we are looking at 
casting choices. Uh, for animation, maybe it's a little bit more difficult, but maybe it's kind of how well do the voices and the actual animation match? How well do they blend yeah. together? And it can be hard sometimes to sell emotion for a voice actor. They don't have their face. They don't get their face. Mm-hmm. So how well do the animators and the voice actors match, 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 like sync up with, with each other? Cause you know, so sometimes you have where you can have a really emotional performance, but the animation just doesn't really do it. Or mm-hmm. sometimes you have the really beautiful animation, but the performance doesn't mm-hmm. really do it. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're trying to look along those lines and I'll, I'll kick us off on uh, probably another round of tens. Cause I have a 10. And <laughs> You know, it, it uh, my wife, when we were watching it, said something along the lines of, they, they really specialize in small child distress. <laughs> oh, the, <laughs> because the, the first, the first three episodes. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I don't know. I don't know who the voice actor was for Young Powder. I can tell you. Oh. Uh, Mia Sinclair. Okay. Well, I don't know who she is. Obviously... <laughs> When you know when you go back into the olden times of crazy Hollywood stuff, where they need the child actor to cry on stage, they just tell him they're going to take his puppy off set and shoot. Yeah. I don't know what they were doing to that poor girl, but they were doing something. Because man, I mean, Powder is perpetually breaking down, but just the distress, just oh. In episode three, whenever the group and and Vi are like, we're going to go save Vander. You have to stay here. Mm-hmm. And then the cut of back to her where she is just totally losing uh, it. Just bawling. Just, just, and, and it's one of those things where I watch a lot of anime and there's a lot of times where, you know, pe- characters die and people are sad and I'm just, oh, that, that's sad. But it never makes me feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Watching her and, and just her facial expressions and, and I'm like, oh man, this is like, I don't, I wasn't prepared for this. Yeah, this is a little, a little. We're we're, we're ripping in a little deeper than yeah. I maybe wanted at the <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah, it's ah oh, man. Um, anyways, well, and I mean just the throughout the whole thing, you know, there there are a lot of hot for the characters. There are a lot of highs and lows, mm-hmm. and I I feel like uh, maybe some other things that we've reviewed in the past. You know, we'll, we'll say, oh, the performance was good, but maybe the character didn't. That the the actor just didn't get much to work with. Nobody in this show has that excuse. Yeah. Everyone had a moment for crazy emotional highs, crazy emotional lows, and they all nailed it. Yeah. And, and the animators obviously help with that. You know, they, they push it through. But I, I really, it's easy to be impressed with voice actors when they do well because it, it can be really difficult. You don't, you know, actors act with their whole body. Yeah. And that just, what they are doing, even though they can push that through the microphone, they don't get the opportunity to connect that to the animation without really good animators at work. Mm-hmm. And just that whole thing, just oof. Yeah. Well, I'm going to throw this to, I don't know, Joel. So I'm also going to give it a 10. Like this is, oh, this man, is just another 10 round. We're just having such a struggle right now. And I, and I really want to highlight uh, Silk, the performance for Silco. Okay. Uh, yeah. Who is Jason Spizak. Yep. Spizak? Spizak. Sure. Yeah, that Spizak. guy. Yeah. So <laughs> um, <laughs> we tried, but he, the, the combination of the voice acting and the, and the animation, he is such a, a feral presence mm-hmm. when he is attempting to intimidate the person that he's talking and, and to. And he intimidates. He, Ooh, he boy. speaks menacingly with like controlled, like you, you realize that he's, he's on the verge of being capable of doing violence 
but he's completely controlled. Yeah. And, and, he, and he knows exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. And he, he, and he moves in a predatory manner mm-hmm. and he, he speaks philosophically at you to the, to the point where it makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And then, and then you juxtapose that with the scenes where he's talking to Jinx mm-hmm. and there's none of the predatory manner there. It is completely uh, a, a father. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like he is being supportive and understanding and, wanting the best for her his his sort of twisted vision of of the best for her and the only part where because like you you realize that this guy's a sociopath and he's he's just doing things for right but like there's genuine connection there and and the only parts where he sort of does her wrong are where where he's at risk of losing her Mm -hmm. and and so being able to bring that across and and bring the villain of the piece such humanity was really really impressive. Well, and I'm going to jump in ahead of Andrew. Yeah, that's fine because you're talking about Silco, so I'm going to attack on uh, end of episode three. Right, the disaster has struck, mm-hmm. and Powder and Vi have been separated, and Powder is again small child in distress, and it's it's again it's, it's uncomfortable watching, and and Silco goes through the exact same process that we are of oh, am I am I hugging this? What do I, I'm okay. Yes, this is, this is what I'm doing. And there's not, there's no real acting. He's, there's no vocalism really. I don't think it's all animation, but mm-hmm. it was such a great, they, throughout the show, they do such a great job of taking slow moments where the player, the players, wow, the characters <laughs> are moving deliberately. Yeah. And, and it's not that they're necessarily being deliberately predatory, although he has those moments, but it's just a very deliberate and you can see the full range run through their faces. And, you know, and talking about gradual range transition in that scene where he, you know, powder throws herself at him, just clutching at, at anything around her that could, that could be an anchor in her Mm -hmm. life that's falling apart. There's, there's at the beginning of that, he is obviously using a tone of voice that he is intending not necessarily to harm her, but he, he's trying to control her. Yeah. He, yeah. he has and, manipulation in mind. Right. And his tone of voice changes throughout the scene until you get to the end of it to where he's like, okay, this is not what I expected. Yeah. And I accept you. I'm going to protect you. Yeah, it, and, it kind of starts out with him being like an opportunity. Yeah. And then it becomes, is this a, is this a responsibility? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Andrew. Um, Paragon of uh, self. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. 10. Yep. Yeah. yep. <laughs> oh, power, yep. Right. So the, you know, we've kind of gone over the range of Selco. We've, we've talked about just some of the, just the overall, just like animation quality of their facial expressions and, and how like emotive, a lot of these characters have mm-hmm. been mm-hmm. and it would be a disservice to not talk about Vi who's arguably the, the main character of the show mm-hmm. yeah it is actually pretty funny we all kind of danced around yeah and like a boxer oh <laughs> I was getting there <laughs> so you you have Vi like in the first three episodes she definitely has a lot of range but really she's just more of an angry kid mm-hmm. and she is, she's a teenager she yeah and then you you get to the time skip, which is roughly eight to ten years ish, mm-hmm. yeah, somewhere yeah. around there. And you, whenever we finally get her out of the jail cell, and she's kind of like walking around the undercity and everything, the you can just tell the despair and anger that she still has because obviously you know she's been locked up in this prison for for something that you know 
Marco was attempting to save her, but then clearly, you know, like this has put a big toll on mm. her character. Mm. And, you know, you just, you get so like all of her lines that she delivers for pretty much like the first, like the, those middle three episodes are just so gripping because she just, she has nothing else. Mm-hmm. And she is all, only thing she cares about is trying to find powder. Mm-hmm. And whenever she realizes that, you know, basically powder is not there anymore. Now it's just a scramble of like, I have to save whatever is left mm-hmm. of, of her and she just, uh, and then Haley Steinfeld, right? Who, and I, I don't know what else she's been in, but I recognize the she, name. She, she was in, in things. She was recently the female lead in Hawkeye. That's where I know the name from. Okay, cool. Like the the live action. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh. It, so she she's the new Hawkeye. She plays Kate Bishop in the show. Okay. You already. It's in the preview. You know <laughs> that she's going to be anyway. <laughs> so. She just she has such a range. She also was did the voice work for Spider Gwen in Into the Spider Verse. That is also where that I is where from. I recognized yeah. her yeah. from. So, I mean, clearly a, a very talented individual. So she's she has been she has the 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 do we have auspicious to do now? occasion to have been in our two highest rated. <laughs> Subject so matter Maybe, media so far. so far. So we have to we have to watch other things that have her in it to see if it is because she is in the show that elevates it up to such. I've level. seen Hawkeye. It it is it a it is, would it would it would break the trend. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Uh, yeah, I mean, I you know it was a ten for mm-hmm. performance. Like it's just the all. I mean, even all the. Even all the extra characters, like Mel was was a very cool and calculated character that I, you know, she had just that, that kind of like, not arrogance. It, it was there, it, it was arrogance, arrogance type of but arrogance, it was yeah. uh, like high society arrogance. Oh, it was, oh yeah. It, she was even more so, and it may just be the, the way that they uh, costumed her mm-hmm. versus say like. Oh, because she's uh, got like the gold and white. Oh, and like the makeup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But versus say like, uh, who I can't even remember her name now, but Caitlin's mother. The, uh, one of the other, one of the other Caitlin's council mom. members, yeah, because uh, she is also Caitlin's very obviously <laughs> no hush. <laughs> she is obviously also very much so part of the like aristocracy, yeah. But she old doesn't money. quite pull, yeah, yeah, yeah. She that that family oozes old money, mm-hmm. um, but she doesn't quite pull it off in the same way that Mel does. It's a very different yeah. feel, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's necessarily a modernism or if it's that you know it's Caitlin's mom and she has more of a maternal air. Mm-hmm. I can't, Maybe. I can't, I cannot pinpoint exactly what qualities they, they utilized in order to get this effect, but mm-hmm. it, it feels like noble woman versus daughter of an empress. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah it, well, it is, it is, which I mean, is, is what it is. And, and we would be remiss about not talking about Mel's mom who has like the presence of a freight train in a good way mm-hmm. where like she just dominates. Built like a brick house. <laughs> I mean, like she, she just dominates every single scene that she was in. Even there, there's only a handful of mm-hmm. them just because she came in later into the show. Mm-hmm. But whenever she was there, like she was the reason, like, like just her, I mean, I mean, like, like Vander, right? Mm-hmm. Same kind of drill played the type of he, character. He's a big teddy bear. Well, played the type of character of tough guy trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and getting caught up in the consequences and, and just of getting that. beat up. For it. Yeah. And just 
I mean, up and down the scale. It's it's really hard to. It's honestly hard for me to find any point where I'd say, well, this is weak. Yeah. And I think they did a really good job of breaking the cast down. We've already talked about, right? Well, oh, we have, you know, the duality of this and, and the juxtaposition of that and all this. And the reason we get to talk about it is because they didn't just throw crowds and crowds of people at us. Mm-hmm. If there was a crowd, it was very much so in the background. And the story was always focused around twos and threes, at most four or five people. And that might be the number, total number of people who are recognizably in frame at once was maybe four. Well, and, and, at, and generally, if it was a large, like pretty much all the larger scenes that had a bunch of people in it were either um, faceless enforcers mm-hmm. or the, the four kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like as, as people unfortunately die, they, the cast gets smaller and smaller right. and smaller. Right. But, but even in moments where you have, you know, like Victor is speaking to, not Victor, uh, Jace is speaking to the crowd, Progress Day. Yep. You, you, the crowd is mostly faceless and in, in shadow, except for Mel. And, and Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger. Or, and like the critical mm-hmm. main characters, they yep. get picked out, but they do a really good job with that as well. Mm-hmm. Of Even though this is a really big event, tons and tons of people, it feels, it still feels intimate. He yep. is only speaking to Heimerdinger and Mel and his mother. And mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like something that played into that was... Every time Jace makes a decision, it's at the last possible moment. And so it is, it is where he is facing this person on my left wants me to say this thing. This person on my right wants me to say this other thing. I have now reached the moment where I have to say a thing. Uh And so now I'm going to decide. And so that, that kind of, that kind of pulls those characters into the scene also. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I did not expect to like Victor as much as I did just based off his initial introduction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, but man, they packed a lot into him. Oh man, you, you feel so bad for him. Oh gosh, mm. do you ever. Yeah, there are, there are multiple scenes where it's just, oof, 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 oof. Well, it's, especially whenever, and this is more plot, but whenever, you know, he's, he's kind of like fighting with the, with the core mm-hmm. and then, you know, his assistant comes in and then, you know, oh, she tries gosh. to stop him and you, and you is... know exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you just like, you just see in his face, he's just like, he, and he knows what's going to happen too. And it's just like, uh, I mean, you just feel so bad for him. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to hit more on that in plot because yeah. there's, there's again, another thing that I talked about in spectacle that they do really well there that other shows should take some notes on. Anyways, uh, I, I think, did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, 10, 10, 10, <laughs> 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, yeah. 10. So let's go on to the score score. So for this, we're talking music <laughs> and its effects on the show. How mm-hmm. well are we talking, emo- how well are we uh, pushing the emotion of the scene, carrying the emotion of the scene? How much does the music sell does it, does it what enhance. you're feeling? Right. Does it, does it detract? Does it enhance? Can you tell that it's there? Yep. Right. And I'm going to kick this over to Andrew. Oh man. Well, I'm sorry guys. I had to just give it a 10. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There, have we, we have not dipped off of 10. No, it's just, just tens. I, yeah, just tens. I mean, clearly we, we do have some things that, that are going to knock it down because it is a 9.5, not a 10 or a hundred, I guess. So same thing, <laughs> same thing. The, the score background music, um, original soundtrack, whatever you want to call it. Um, so there, there's really, there's four actual, so there, there's basically, uh, episodes one through three tracks, which are like the, just the generic BGM music that, 
that just kind of punctuate every single scene mm-hmm. without that don't have like any vo- vocals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And those are uncredited, meaning that they were done in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so there's, there's basically three albums for that. So there's episodes one through three, four through six and uh, seven through nine. Then there is the, the title tracks, which are all of like the, the vocal ones, like Playground, which is probably like one of the most hyped songs mm-hmm. I've heard in such a long time. Oh, yeah, kind of the, the, the pop, yeah, like hip hop type music that they have throughout. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imagine Dragons, Enemy, which is like the, the title song. Right. And just. You know, I, I got I to gotta throw it, throw it out here because Andrew at the start oh. of the show, he's like, oh man, they're. Title title song is Imagine Dragons. I don't know how I feel about this. So, okay. And at the end of it, it's a 10. Yeah. That's how he feels about it. <laughs> well, so I am not an Imagine Dragons fan. Mm-hmm. I have, and whenever we were, whenever we were watching the first episode and the title title came or the opening sequence came on and we, you know, because we watch it with subtitles on every once in a while and it, it, it had Imagine Dragons um, on the subtitles mm-hmm. and me and, Holly both actively groaned. We were just like, oh no. Because, you know, we weren't sold on the show yet. Yeah. And, you know, we listened to it and I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And then, you know, you watch the next episode and you're like, okay, that was fine. And then you watch the next episode and you're like, and you're kind of invested in the mm-hmm. show. Growing on me, yeah. Well, the animation sequence for the for the opening was really, really good. Oh, it was as great. Well. It was probably the best opening of that style that I've seen since the Daredevil Netflix show. You, we might have to start uh, putting uh, that into spectacle, maybe talking about titles. The, the Avengers, um, the first Avengers or second Avengers had at the the ending sequence had them all like in like a marble mm-hmm. kind of sculpture. I think it, I think it was first. I think it was the second one. I don't know. That's but but anyways, so right that was the last time I saw that done. But but anyway, watching the title sequence is a better experience listening to that song than listening to that song by itself, right? Like it it yeah. it, 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 it it's all one piece. Yeah. yeah. And all of the music for this show whenever Vi and the the group of kids are going down to the Undercity the first time and they're playing playground mm-hmm. as they're walking through, she, you know, she puts her hood up mm-hmm. and she, you know, she's kind of going through and bumping her way through the crowd. And I think, I think my favorite part about that particular sequence is how much the, the song choice reinforces the idea that she's finally free. She's coming home, but it isn't home anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's this feeling of just being unsettled. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, just every single track that they did, like, especially with like the kind of music video style pieces where like at the beginning, I think of episode seven, where they, they do the, um, the rap song with, or hip hop song for the firelights mm-hmm. where they're, you know, they're like spray painting everything and it's very stylized yep. and it, it, it really puts you in the mentality of what you're kind of about to experience with them. Mm-hmm. Because at this point in the story, they've, they've captured Vi and Caitlin and they're going back to their hideout essentially. So you, you know, you, you get so much of a backstory with them without having to even have any exposition at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what, you know what they are. They're, they're yeah. the punk resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like every, like every single one of those main tracks just hit, so hard for the like the scene that they're trying to basically reinforce and the it's 
it's kind of one of those things where it was a little ham handed, but when it, the the little mini music video for Imagine Dragons mm-hmm. inside of the show, mm-hmm. when you're when they're walking through, it was kind of cheesy, but at the same time, you're like, that's kind of cool. Good for them. They're in a they're they're in a TV show. I mean, you could have you could have given you could have you could hit a nine just for that one. You could have dropped off a little bit. That was a risk for them. Yeah, to do that. But, but there, every like there is definitely one of those times where whenever I was watching it. I like the music brought me in mm-hmm. and it kept me there. And mm-hmm. it, it held on whenever, like if I got distracted by something on the side of the screen or something like it would just, just pull you right mm-hmm. back in. Yeah, you're very conscious of the music choices yes. throughout. Mm-hmm. Joel. Well, I am going to take the first deviation Shame. on our little Shame. tour Shame. and I'm going to, and I'm going to ding it a whole point for that mini music video. That's almost more of a plot issue. They could have just played the music and not shown the. No, but like, like, I think this is, this is also going to come in, in plot, but Mm -hmm. I think that their, their background being established through the mediums of a video game and music videos primarily. Right. Right. They are adapting that kind of experience to telling a episodic or, or a serialized story. And I think that it it impacted in I mean, obviously with a nine point five, we think that it was it came it out terrible good awful. But there were some in some ways, I feel like their background negatively affected how they worked on the show. And and part of it was they leaned a little too heavily, in my opinion, into the music video. The music video ethos the, when, the when they were video. doing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just it kind of Especially the part where you see Imagine Dragons animated <laughs> in the show. It's like, uh, okay, all right. And like I said, it was a little ham-handed, but it was, it's kind of one of those things where like, where they're, you're in the movie and then they say the title of the movie. Yeah. And you're like, that's the name of the that's movie. The of the oh movie. man, there's a, there's a very recent movie that came out that you're very high on that I, I will have to dig for, for that. Uh, what movie? Encanto. They they didn't make it four minutes into that movie without telling me the title of the movie. <laughs> and like, oh, okay, come on, slow down. I, I'm not I'm not super hot on the movie. It was good. I enjoyed it. It, a lot. it was good. I it, just it was it was no Coco or Onward, but it was good. Or or Luca. Anyway, anyway, back to actual real stuff. Here. Well, that that's all I had to say. Like he he Andrew already took like all of the really good points, and then yeah. he even took my bad point, and I was just like, well, okay. and he, he, he gave your bad point a pass. You're like, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. Well, I. Uh, I'm going to have to step in here and rectify Joel's wrongs with a 10. <laughs> He's bringing it up to like a 9.7. Uh, out of that. six scores so far, one has not been a 10. <laughs> I, so I'll give him props. There's a huge range of music. There is not just pop and hip hop in here. There's, there's also some background music, mm-hmm. but there's also some stuff that I, I struggle to place what it is, uh, but it hits early on. Uh, with it's the song title is our love. Yeah. Uh, with, um, with powder and, uh, Vander in the, uh, the bar. Right. So, so they've come back from the, the botch job mm-hmm. and, uh, Vi can give herself, right, up. Vi's struggling with the idea of giving herself up. Powder is depressed cause she caused the problem and Vander is trying to patch everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're in, I mean, you brought your children to a bar because you own a bar, well, but, they, but you brought your children to a bar. The bar. They live in the bar. But, but you brought your children to a bar. But anyways, <laughs> they're in a bar and it's very much so home. This is their home. This mm-hmm. is where the love is. This is where the people 
who hurt because you hurt are there. The people who want to fix it and make it better are there, right? So you time skip forward and Vi comes back to the last drop of the bar and that song hits. I, I can't, I don't think it's Misfit Toys. No, it's When Everything Went Wrong. When Everything, that's okay. Or, that's well, okay. well, you're, you're talking with the, um, with like the, the EDM song. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not, not the brawl song at the it's end. It's not the Savika. brawl. No, no, no it's not okay. the brawl. That's at When Everything Went Actually, wrong. I don't even think it's Vi, it may be Savika that comes in, but you're reintroduced to the last drop. And everyone in there is, you know, it's very much so a uh, you know, doom, doom, doom kind of music going. And everyone is hitting up shimmer drug. They're taking drugs. Yeah. It's, it's a vastly different environment than what it was. Mm-hmm. And the music shift really sells it because there's, there's not really a whole lot of dialogue in either of those scenes. And there are actually a lot of times when in place of dialogue, they don't have to talk. You get expressions and small movements from the character that that feel very real they feel very alive and behind it you either have the the lead tracks you know, the named songs mm-hmm. or you have some of that other music kind of helping to carry it along and i think they do a really good job of kind of clearing space out because it, it's been a complaint for us in the past with some movies that hey you didn't mix it well i couldn't i couldn't hear yeah <laughs> I could not hear Timothy Chalamet having a total come apart in a tent because you couldn't just tune it down just a little bit, guys. <laughs> um, but the flip side here is they don't they don't even try to have that fight. They just say, hey, this is the, the element we need to carry it, and we don't need anything else. And I think that's a really intelligent call. And maybe it doesn't fit within score, but it lets the score live and breathe and mm-hmm. be its own creature. So very impressed. Yeah, well, and, and, and this is just going to kind of segue into plot but the the show in general uses the the show don't tell kind of mantra when it comes to storytelling and giving you character insight without just them saying I'm mad or yeah. I really wish you wouldn't do that like yeah. you can tell with their facial expressions which comes in the performance or their actions which is spectacle of of what you know, like what they're feeling and you don't, or, or even just like backstory, you don't have to say things or, or what's what's said is just a handful of words. You don't need all of this going on to, to really drive it home. And they do a great job. And then the music follows along Mm -hmm. the same line. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think Andrew is ready to push us right on into the plot. Yep. And we've only had one nine and this is a 9.5, so something's got to give. And I think this is where we have our little bit of give. Uh, yeah. plot, plot is always the easiest one to knock because the, you can punch holes in things. Or pick, complain picking some nits is mm-hmm. real easy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going to take this one first. Yep. I'm going to hand it away for y'all. So shame, shame, shame. I gave it an eight. Okay. So taking it down a couple notches from where we've been. And I think, you know, positives. A lot of stuff feels earned. We see Vi and we see Kate really showcasing their abilities yeah. in mm-hmm. fights. Uh, the my nitpick there is Jace. I'm gonna take that from both of y'all. Stop taking I, it. I want it. It's mine. <laughs> there's so there's so few nits to pick. There are really. But it's mine. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't quite feel as earned for his fighting prowess. No, his technological prowess. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Because um, like he's 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 a student turned scientist turned politician. And oh, now he can fight at superhuman levels just because he invented a hammer. Right. Versus, <laughs> versus in, in, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, and, and that, that probably is more of the, um, the labor of you are 
adapting from a video game. Right, yeah, like and I was saying like, with the music Jace is the champion. He mm-hmm. needs to have his hammer. He needs to have an action scene. Yeah, and so like that's that's kind of, we have this expectation of the background of knowing that he's a playable character in the yeah. game. We need to showcase that here at the expense of telling an internally consistent story. Yeah, they, they missed they missed an opportunity to have like a half a scene, right, where like Mel pays him a visit and he's already built the hammer and he's like test firing it or he's shooting and or, or he's like you, working out and why, you can yeah. tell he already has a lot of agility. The reflexes. Right. Because yeah. well, why, why are you messing with that? The kid? reason that yeah. Vi feels earned is because every downtime scene, she is boxing. Yeah. Um, well, almost I mean, every single she, one, she right? Grows up, or she's beating someone. Yeah, she yeah. grows up super rough and tumble. I mean, the first episode doesn't even get over and they're already in a street brawl. So like you have to do that kind of thing, right? You yeah. have to, you have to not, not set it up once. You have to come back and touch it again you, and again you, and remind, hey, there are skills being acquired here because skills take a long time to earn. Right. And you do, but one touch is magnitude's world's better than zero touches. Yeah. And like, it's, it's yeah. the most, for the most benefit, for the most time efficient. Yeah. At least give me a scene. Yeah. Like if you, like the scene, whenever he's, you know, he's, he's clearly forging the thing. He's got a shirt off. You have the fan service of like, Ooh, yeah, look at Jace. He's got the pack. <laughs> and you know, he's, you know, he's, he's working in the smelting thing. If there was even just a little bit more in there of him, like working out in a combat kind of practice yeah, because like, like agility yeah, drill. Yeah, thing, then yeah. I could I could definitely understand a little bit more of him being able to go toe to toe and and clearly being on top of the super soldiers that are on Shimmer. Yeah, which Vi is totally believable whenever mm-hmm. that happens because well, I'm she, like, man, she's been you've been boxing for like twenty she, years. She already yeah. has amazing reflexes, and then she's been enhanced at that yeah. point. So my my final my final ding, and this is really probably uh, my biggest ding is first episode, we get it. We know everything points to the fact that Silco is going to be the bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. We knew it. We don't have to kill the cat to prove it. Yep. I'm, I, I agree. Like that, that might be a big pet peeve for me is uh, the animal abuse in mm-hmm. some shows to demonstrate that this person is evil. Oh, they take the, the, the animal, the trusting pet, and they do something. Don't do that. Just do it. Do it to a person or something else. Pick and I like. I know for some people that's not going to be nearly as big a deal, but you know, that that was nearly enough that I couldn't convince my wife to watch the show. Mm. Like that was pushing I mean, the level, and it was for us. Like you could see it coming, and I was like, oh gosh, they're going to do this. And I probably should have said something once I had. Oh yeah, this is going to happen. But that is just that one thing where it's like there. There's so many other ways to say he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. Yeah, I, and especially for someone who is not nearly as generic a bad guy as he ends up being because he's such a multifaceted character yeah, it, was, yeah. it was such a gen- and you know we can play the juxtaposition game oh look at how he mistreated the trusting pet versus how he he tries he, to treat jinx down the road yeah we can play that game but don't just don't do that that's just not worth it yeah so one of the reasons why i stopped watching game of thrones whenever it was mm-hmm. first airing was the violence towards animals that they had and i understand that, you know it's all fake and whatever right yeah but like you know they kill one horse and i'm like okay you, you had your you had whatever fun that you got your shot in but then they kill another horse like two episodes later and i was like i'm done i can't watch this yeah because it, it's it's needless and, and, and pointless because you can 
you can show that like the mountain is a really strong guy by doing anything else than just killing a horse. Yeah, there are there are so many other options in this world yeah, to and, choose. And whenever Silco, you know, killed the cat, it was definitely one of those things where, you know, I love my cats. Like I, I'm, I am an, I am an animal guy, and any kind of violence towards animals is uh, pretty much like unacceptable for me. And you even warned me whenever, yeah, you, oh, like, no. like you warned me that it was happening, and I was like, I have to watch it because you know I'm pretty sure we're going to review this. I'm going to watch it anyways. We watched it, and I was still mad. And we like we didn't watch the next episode for probably like thirty or forty minutes because like we're both animal people. It really bothered me, and that that's kind of one of the reasons why I knocked it a so point yeah, for jump, me. Jump in, yeah, which was uh, nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, because you know, like right out the gate, like like Stephen said, there's so many other ways that you can show that Silco is a bad guy without just having him kill a, a basically a trusting pet. And, uh, you know, from that perspective, it was, that was pretty upsetting. But once, you know, once you get over that, um, pretty much the only other thing was Jace, you know, yeah, just I mean, be, being able to go toe to toe with like shimmer soldiers. Small, such small things. And maybe I could say something about, you know, as the plot pulled away from the really intimate connections, when we do get kind of the bigger, oh, there could be global impacts of this decision. Yeah. Maybe it just doesn't feel as good because it just isn't the same type of view that you've had throughout. Yeah. But it's, it's, there's just only so many things to pick at. So you got to find so, something. So Joel, I gave it an eight. Okay. So Joel found stuff to pick at too. Yeah, I did. This is, this is where we really, we, we all dinged it. So. Yeah. So, I mean, there was, there was the, the issue with Jace's combat abilities, not feeling earned, right? That, right. that was kind of universally recognized. Then for me, the development of turning the hex tech that we've been working on all this time into like specific weapons, right? Didn't, I don't know, it, it, the, and again, this is because we're creating things that were originally created for a video game where like the, the, the background oh, yeah, was not narratively important. Right. Right. But these and these characters that are from the video games need to be seen wielding their iconic weapons, mm-hmm. right? And so you have like the power fists for Vi, you have the hammer for Jace, that they are so stylized and and in the case of the the power fists don't make a lot of of sense from a physics perspective because right. like you you get this super strong hand, right? That even has like little jets in it and stuff to where you can punch really hard and and like all that's great. But then the very first demonstration that he does is he picks up a boulder. But the thing is, like, if you have a really strong hand, you still can't pick up boulders because it's going to break your elbow. It's going to break your your shoulder. It's going to throw your back out. Right. (laughs) And so, like, these kind of things without explanation just kind of pulled me out of the scene. Whereas, like, but that doesn't make any sense given what they've said about what this can do. And you can write in excuses, but they didn't. Yeah. So. (laughs) But what if what if the hands had, like, gyroscopes and well, gyroscopes do nothing anti-gravity devices do something all, but all they had to do was say that they didn't right say it. Yeah. well yeah i mean I, I get it like yeah. and you know this is magic you know right but it, but science. because but because it's being accessed through technology it has very rigid rules oh yeah i i, I don't disagree yeah i just didn't knock it because i was just like eh, fine yeah also i like uh joel kind of displaying his his non-knowledge of game talking about iconic tools or weapons for mm-hmm. these characters, right? 
because uh, Victor demos the the laser arm. Yeah, that's that's his. That's oh, his. okay. Yeah, uh, and uh, so and then obviously like fish bones at the end whenever, um, uh, which is the big rocket, the rocket launcher mm-hmm. kind of thing that the Jinx shoots. That's her. That's her ultimate. Okay. Uh, then obviously you know she has her little chain gun and mm-hmm. everything, uh, and they didn't. Well, I mean you've seen the you've probably seen the Echo. Uh, yeah, I've seen the Echo music video. Yeah, so like when he really good. when he has that cylinder that he carries the crystal in, I'm like, oh okay, I, 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 I see. Know, I know and he's is. and he's even got like the hourglass tattoo on his yeah. face, all in white. And I'm like, why why do you have that? Well, it's, <laughs> well, that's face paint. But uh, I, <laughs> you you have nothing to do with time travel at this point in your life. Why is that? Why there? is that there? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> but we can't uh, we can't talk about Echo without talking about just the fantastic action scene between him and Jinx. Okay, so. On speaking on the good side, the really good side, this show does backstory in a condensed format better than anything I have ever seen. They they take little snippets when they become relevant to the characters and their current motivations and attitudes and just give you this is something that happened to them before that completely changes your understanding of what's going on right now. Yep. And the battle sequence between Echo and Jinx does that in such a beautiful way because it is it's it's like 20 seconds. Yeah. Of showing how they used to play together. Mm-hmm. And when he drops, he drops the watch and, and she on knows. his hand. And at the, at the start of the sequence, you have no idea what the relevance of that is. And then it goes, does a flashback of that was the signal for when they would start a, a game where he tries to reach her with a stick before she shoots him with a little like Nerf gun. Mm-hmm. And but now they're actually doing it for real and they're trying to kill each other. But he is giving her this one last nod of, I, I still like, I'm, I'm about to, st- I have to stop you, mm-hmm. but you're still, part of you is still my friend. Yeah. This, yeah. this connection to yeah. the past between us. Well, in, in her expression, the second that he drops the watch and you can kind of see, cause you know, she's ready to fight. Yeah. And then she sees that and she's like, oh, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then she then she squares up to to be able to like to shoot with, you know, like full full readiness to, to shoot a pistol pretty much. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the the choreography of whenever, you know, he's, he's going up and above and jumping around the, the bullets and everything. And then, you know, whenever he he finally overcomes, you know, what he couldn't do whenever he was a kid. Mm-hmm. And he he gets her and, you know, they both like stare in each other's eyes and you, you can tell that she's still part, you know, still powder there mm-hmm. and she realizes that she's lost and then just unapologetically just like, all right, here's the grenade. Yeah. And, yeah. and also the Game's fact, yep. the <laughs> fact that even when he wins, he can't finish it yep. is foreshadowed by the fact that he gave her the nod at the beginning saying mm-hmm. we're still friends. Then he gets to the end of it. And he's and like, he oh, I'm here. He can't go through it. Yeah, you're now. still my friend. I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's it, obviously we, we all led this by being like, let me, let me find little bits here to you know, you know, pull out, pluck out. But there are so many good things going on within the plot. It's, it's almost, it's almost easier to find the small things to pick at yeah. <laughs> than it is to point to things and say, oh yeah, this was great. This was, this was awesome. But one of those has got to be the last not the final scene, but basically the final big set piece with Jinx at the table. Mm-hmm. And it's just basically a huge spilling out of all of her demons, all of the conflicts and all of the sources of the conflict 
And that resolution and the way that plays through is just, oh, gosh. So I'll definitely say this. So because, you know, like the first time watching it, whenever she kind of alludes to the fact that once she 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 has Caitlin in custody or, you know, she kidnapped her. And then she also alludes that she killed her and decapitated her on. I know. Plate. Like yeah. I was and, like, because like at this point in the show, you're like, yeah, she probably did that. Yeah. And I, I was, believe that there's a head in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, and I like I've very rarely been duped like mm-hmm. that where like you really think because you know that she's capable of it. Yeah. And you really think that, oh, man, they went real dark on this. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she doesn't. She's like, you didn't really think I did that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that was so mean. <laughs> well, well, it's also, it's kind of the the reverse fake stakes, yeah. right, that we get with some. I'm going to, you know, reach into the Wayback Machine and talk about Star Wars and killing a Chewie. Uh, but it's the exact reverse play yeah. of it, right? You, you don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. And then they play the trick on you versus you do know what happened. And they play a trick on you. And you're like, well, you just, you took my momentary my disbelief that you've been carrying through this and just wrecked it whereas this they they you, you really they, have you fear the worst well they, they lean into it they, they're like yeah i know i got you hook line and sinker right there yeah but it's okay yeah yeah and the the interaction between vi and silco once ever he he gets his his gag off mm-hmm. basically and they're trying to to fight for powder and jinx mm-hmm. to you know it's like you know he is trying as desperately as he possibly can to not lose her yeah and at this point he's already like you already know she doesn't know that like he is he is willing to give up everything for her mm-hmm. and not because he wants to manipulate her in any way he's just he loves her as a daughter yeah well i mean the only manipulation at this point is in the effort to not lose her yeah because mm-hmm. like that is the that 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 abandonment and that that feeling of being alone and unloved is what he got from his own like brother story yeah, loss with, with vander, right. vander and is the thing that he fears most mm-hmm. right. and i i didn't want to just run in and steal all the you know gobble up all the good bits but but right like we're prior to this point you have Soko and Victor. You know, Victor loses the will to fight. Like Vander. Will, no, no, Victor. Victor. Jace. Jace. I'm Dude, never what? gonna get that straight. <laughs> I'm never, I don't know why, but I cannot get that straight. Jace. So yeah. Silco and yeah, Jace. Yeah, so they, they meet on the battlements well, of the well, city. Even even before that though, Jace has his moment of he's willing to fight, but he's not willing he to pay the, the cost. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. He's he's capable, but he's not actually mentally mm-hmm. prepared for yeah. it. Yeah. So he he negotiates the truce. And Silco gets everything they ever wanted. And he goes to the fountain with the statue mm-hmm. of Vander. And oh, and I loved the shot of looking up at him as he's looking down at his drink mm-hmm. to open that scene. Yeah. It's like, it'd be really, really hard to put a camera there, but you can animate <laughs> you, from there. You can animate <laughs> from there, yeah. Well, and that's just, you know, the animators get to show off a little like, yeah, you wish you could get that angle. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's such a great moment of, again, playing back into the kind of duality throughout. Mm-hmm of well he's at the point now where he really really and truly understands vander Mm -hmm. i finally have within me everything we ever wanted and i i cannot pay the cost because the cost is the child Mm -hmm. and now now i finally understand what you went through when i put you into the situation that i did yeah and how horrible that really was and what kind of horrible choices had to be made in that process and that's just mm, ah, chef kiss Can, can nothing be so undoing as a daughter (laughs) <laughs> but 
I, there's just mm, so many more. And, and I, I, I will say, cause you were talking about, you know, the Caitlin, the possibility of, uh, did, did she decapitate yeah. her? Right. There are so many moments, even, you know, going all the way back to episode three, right. When powder is going to have her moment of great success, which is actually a horrible moment. <laughs> and they did a, such a good job of showing us everything mm-hmm. and kind of that moment of where you're, you're being led to the cliff and you know, the cliff is there and they are going to push you over it. And you don't want this horrible stuff to happen, but for the story to move forward, it's going to happen. And that happens multiple times mm-hmm. in the episode, across episodes, where they just drag you right up and say, yep, that's what you're looking at, and that's where you're going. <laughs> the, especially with that scene, too, because they even kind of bury the lead, um, news term, they, they bury it in basically you get like two other explosions mm-hmm. uh, of scenes of like what's happening until they, they finally show the explosion of what's happening inside, inside the, the room. Right. Cause yeah. they like replay the same explosion yeah. over and over in order to get, because it's such a, everything happens in the span of three seconds yep. for so many different characters and it's life altering or life ending for so many different mm-hmm. characters that they, they replay the same scene from different points Joel, of view, like five times. Joel, life ending is life altering just by definition. It's, it's, sure. it's, it's an insufficient term. <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the other things that I, I found so interesting with what they did is it, a lot of, I'll say a, a lesser show or a lesser production company could have looked at the story that, that was written out and they could have said, we don't need the first three episodes mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. be dedicated to just the younger characters. We could take those episodes and and add more fluff or whatever mm-hmm. you want to the more adult characters that everyone is familiar with, right. which, you know, like Jinx and Vi and Jace and like that have all the, the, the league of legends stuff mm-hmm. that you're used to seeing. And then they're like, no, we want to spend one third of our show to, to basically children. So you care about these yeah. kids. Yeah. We're yeah. going yeah. to make you know what these relations, we're not going to just say, Oh, this relationship is really important in a flashback. Uh, yeah. You're going to know this relationship. Yeah. yeah because, it's, it's, because you've been there. Because like the two most important relationships, well, the three most important relationships in the show were the sibling relationships, Vi and Powder, uh, Silco and Vander and Jason Victor. Yeah. And all of those, you just, you just miss how, how important they are and what, how deep they are. If you don't get those three episodes. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I mean, again, another, cause now, now Victor's come up another bit where, you know, something bad's happening and Andrew, I referenced it, but you know, his assistant coming down the hall and she's trying to work up her nerve or courage to talk to him mm-hmm. yeah. as more than just a work thing. Mm hmm. And it's like, oh no, honey, no, this is the <laughs> ultimate bad time. Yeah. Death flags all <laughs> yeah, over no, the place. So bad, don't, please. And then it happens, just, these are the kind of things that could very well be character ending, right? If mm-hmm. if there was an established relationship there, that, that maybe that just ends him as a character. He just ends his own life. Well, or, well, I mean, he, he attempts to, right. and then he gets interrupted, like he interrupted Jace yep. at the beginning. Going of the back to the first Going three back episodes. To, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing is like, if you... If you don't have that first episode, him, Jace interrupting him trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. uh, is it just has such a much less impact mm-hmm. than than you know what we what we did get because yeah. now you have these two essentially you know surrogate brothers that you know they know what they're doing mm-hmm. like they're yeah. you know they're not naive and 
you know, it's just such an important piece to to be able to dedicate that kind of screen time and story time to it because otherwise it just means nothing. Yeah. Well, and, and the payoff ultimately just is so much larger just because you can play. They're, they're, they're constantly ducking in and out of playing this game of, of you know, two sides of a coin. Yeah. However you want to look at, you know, a duality juxtaposition play. Yeah. They do it over and over and over again all across the board. And it just pays off over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And it just, ooh, really, really good grip on a story and just an understanding of how to play out and build out pieces throughout. Mm-hmm. So um, we've pretty much hit a lot of plot stuff, but we're going to talk more about it as we kind of go into our faithful slash originality score. Could be whatever, because I'm going to have the same score regardless. It wouldn't and, matter. And it is. And it is a 10 because... Yep. Consistency. <laughs> hey, I know what I like. <laughs> I like what I know. And I like what I know. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just, ah, man, just fantastic. What I mean, what... So I, for Joel, everything's originality. Everything's yeah. originality for me. And I, I gave it a nine. Um, it was a lot of really well executed themes that were combined in unique ways. The, the only part that kind of felt done was the, the setting of the, the, the two cities, the two sister cities mm-hmm. felt very familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's not really something that I, because we don't include this in the composite score, it's not really something that I would ding any particular category in our main rubric for, but it just, it was, it felt like not, not quite as original as it could possibly be I just mean, because the city, city setting felt familiar. Class warfare yeah. Yeah. type, haves, have nots, yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty much just social commentary in general. Uh, it's also but, kind of timeless social commentary. Oh yeah, you, oh, yeah. You, you I mean, go all the way back to Like I mean, same thing same with thing. you know Charles Dickens. Yeah, like that's yeah. very yeah. much his kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Stephen, uh, I gave it a nine. Yeah, and that's that's a combined for me. That's a faithfulness and originality because you you want to see how the characters get their get their weapons, their powers, and, yeah. their things, their toys, whatever. How how are they made? Because when you're introduced and Victor introduces himself, you're like you are a long ways away from where you're going to end up. Yep. And there is a this. journey ahead of us that I am intrigued by because up to this point, I've only been invested in who I thought were the main characters. Mm-hmm. And now I've been introduced to someone else who's obviously going to be a central figure. Uh, Heimerdinger was so good. <laughs> Everything. I, I, I know I he's will, like one of your favorite characters. I love too. Heimer. I, well, I like most of the Yordles. Yeah. Timo can die in a fire. I love Timo. Timo How can dare die you? in a fire. If no, if they give us some Corky and Tristana, <laughs> I will be so satisfied. No, give me Poppy or Pop. I don't care. Just any of those Vigar. Yeah. Ooh. Well, this so is they, a terribly interesting conversation. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we were talking about faithfulness, dang it. And anyways, uh, I, I will say there was some hesitation with Heimerdinger because in trailers you see him and he doesn't have his goggles on and he's a little terrifying without goggles. <laughs> Like there's a little bit of you look a little too much like a Yorkie <laughs> that had a bad trim. <laughs> yeah. Uh but it's still I mean it's per, it's exactly him and him like going through this like crossing the bridge and going through streets of Zon and everything felt so much like just accurate to who he is as a character throughout yeah. everything and just he is ultimately at the at the end of it he is at heart a scientist. I will go see the evidence. Uh just small bits and pieces like that that just push through and 
it's just such a great interweaving of new and old uh, because up to this point in game you know that jinx has a sister she has a line about how crazy her sister is and there's there was never a character that was denoted as her sister yeah and there was always you know lots of speculation and everything but up to this point there was never a confirmation from my oh okay she and Vi are related yeah and then you hit this and it's like okay cool well now how are they they've they've finally created the sandbox how are they going to play it and oh gosh they nailed it well and and you know obviously they they kind of um uh foreshadow in the opening that you know obviously vi and jinx are going to be fighting against each other they right. are not they're not friends they're, right, yeah. they're clearly enemies at this point so then you're trying to watch okay where where's the breakdown mm-hmm. of like you know obviously whenever powder you know ends up killing her whole family and you know vi is very mad and, you know, she hits her and then she walks away and then she immediately realizes that was a terrible, terrible choice. Mm-hmm. And then now she's now she. But, but the opportunity to make up for it and it, change it well, is taken away. Yeah. Yeah. She's she attempts. She makes mm-hmm. she turns around and takes that first step and then is caught. And then Marco, yeah. you know, takes her. Ruins everything because Marco. Yeah. You know, and the real villain you, of the story. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, then she spends the rest of the series trying to make that right. Mm hmm. And unfortunately, by this point, you know, it's been so long and Jinx has, uh, you know, unfortunately had a poisoned mind kind of already. Mm. And then it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. You know, it's interesting because we do get a bit midway through where it, that's kind of put to the question, right? Because Jinx goes out as as her, you know, grown up self yeah. with the flare yep, to that try Vi and... gave her and said, when you need me, you light this and I will find you. And she's kept it for all these years. Mm-hmm. And now this is finally the moment of my sister might still exist. Yeah. And I'm going to set up this, like, this is my plea for help. I still am mm-hmm. who I was. And Echo messes it up. Oh, well, of course. Yeah, it's Echo. <laughs> but just those, those, are, those moments like that are just so good. And they did such a good job of not getting in a rush, not tripping over themselves to just put all of it in front of you, to let it all just kind of play out and unfurl. Mm-hmm. And the that's one of the biggest things about this show is that they kept it a small enough scale mm-hmm. to where any kind of, like, you know, like you said earlier, Joel, where the, you can either have really big stakes mm-hmm. or really personal stakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they did such a good job of making you so emotionally invested with every single character and like what happens and like you're because they've already established that characters can die in this series. And whenever that happens, now you're, you're kind of on the edge of your seat because you're like, I don't know who's safe anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, and if someone messes up, like Caitlin could die and I don't want to see that. Or even Vi could die. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, Victor is actively dying in front of us. Well, in, uh, going back, whenever you know, whenever I saw Victor, he's one of my favorite champions. Like I, I named so him good. for so long, for so long, and whenever he introduced himself as Victor, I'm like, oh, it's him. And you're not who I'm used to. I I want to see this, and then got like halfway through the series, I'm like, I don't know if I want to. I don't, don't want to know. Yeah. I don't actually want to know how we got there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just man, the the whole show is just just fantastic. Yeah, I mean. Top marks all around. I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, season one ends on, I don't want to call it a cliffhanger, but kind of a suspended point. It's definitely a cliffhanger. I mean, it, it, I don't well, know that it is. I, I don't think that there's a choice in what happens. I mean, because so when, whenever we leave off, um, you know, uh, her missile is going through the window of, uh, of the council and Jace does not have his weapon on him. 
He doesn't. But I think it's important that they just he just hit the point of we are not going to manufacture weapons. We are going to broker peace. And now this missile is going to crash through, obviously from Zon, and I assume kill everyone. I don't see. I don't assume that it kills everyone. I, I'm pretty sure Mel will die. I, I it, am, it can't narratively speaking. It can't kill Victor because he has unfinished business with the core. Yeah, right. But I think it narratively could kill everyone else in the room, including Jace. And he's already had his moment with the hammer, so you've seen that. Yeah. So see, maybe it even does kill Jace. See, I feel like Jace is safe. He's I'm not, not safe. He's going to get hurt. But I think he's safe because he's going to be the driving force behind, I wanted peace. And mm-hmm. then as soon as I, I actually was ready to reach out for peace, you gave me war and my conviction is back. Yeah. And yeah. I'm ready to go to war now. Well, especially if Mel dies. Right. Yeah, that's, that's mm-hmm. the real... If, if Victor is badly injured and Mel dies, like that is... The tipping point back for I'm ready to face. We're going to casualties, and, and and he's he's prone to flip flopping decisions yep, already. Yep, like they've yeah. shown that over and over again. Yeah, and then the other two, Heimerdinger's not in the room. So the other two, I guess uh, Vi's mom. I assume she's there. She's there. But if she dies, she dies, right? Caitlin's mom. Caitlin's mom. Good oh lord, God. I'm struggling. <laughs> he went along with me on that one too. Yeah. Uh, but the other council members are mostly irrelevant in terms of characters. They've already played their part. Heimerdinger is the only other character who could have been there who had a part still to play. Well, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm interested to see him try and make, like help the Firelights make tech and everything like Mm -hmm. that to, to make a better Undercity or Zon than than what Silco could possibly provide. Yeah. Or or drugs. Yeah. (laughs) Science. Uh, But yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for season two. It's a long, I say a long ways. It's 2023. So it's really just a year away. But uh, apparently it's already under production. Mm -hmm. And I do hope because we have said, you know, they, they put six years to get to this point to get to season one. Mm -hmm. I hope that not all of that was just season one. And I assume that they put all that into building out a story and then breaking it down. Because that that helps, right? We've 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 seen what happens when you have a long long overarching story that isn't well managed. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, a lot of that time was well spent in building the story all the way out, so they have a plan and a roadmap in front of them. Yeah. Well, so coming off of a nine point five season one, there is a lot of room. A lot to go of down. room to go down. <laughs> yeah, and the so a lot of a lot of that with the the six year production time. Mm-hmm. is that is creation of assets that is storyboarding yeah. that is art art direction there's a lot of that that's already in place right so just kind I, of as overhead yeah because yeah, hypothetically a lot of those assets can be reused mm-hmm. or there is a there's an infrastructure in place to whenever they they create new assets they don't have to make them completely from scratch mm-hmm. and like the algorithms and stuff to help do a lot of the shading well, and how, everything how, is how already they, kind of built how they hit upon this is what Zon lighting looks like. Yeah. That's still a thing that they can call back up, exactly. et cetera. Yeah. So you, one would assume that a, because this has probably been in post-production for season one for at least six months to maybe a year. Mm-hmm. So you have to assume that once that kind of started wrapping, the per, the original production team that made assets was already starting to work on season new, two. New stuff for season two. And at that point, the story writers had already been on season two for a while because their job yeah. has been done. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, hypothetically, like you could just have, you know, another, you know, just major masterpiece hit. Mm-hmm. But like Joel said, 
there's a long way to go down if you if you can't stick the landing and if this was just a fluke. Yeah, right. it's the the same problem that we look or that we're looking at with uh, Spider Verse Two, yeah. or two point one, or however mm-hmm. they're doing it. Uh, yeah, it's uh, two. Yeah, two point one. Spider Verse Two Part One. Don't do that. Just tell me it's Spider Verse Two, <laughs> and tell me you have Spider Verse Three coming. Yeah, but it's same issue, right? We rated that very highly. It's well thought of. There's a lot of room for a downslide. So, yep. There's always a fear. Hopefully, the the teams for both productions are in place because I would love to see both of these things. You know, hit a hit a Part Two and just nail it. Mm-hmm. So, but that uh, that sounds like all the time we've got for this episode. So until next time, I'm Stephen. I'm Andrew, and I'm Joel. And every spoiler was intended. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you heard, you can support the show for as low as $1 at patreon.com slash spoilers intended podcast. We also have a discord server and would love to have more people joining in the conversation. Links are in the description below. Thank you. 